We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week, I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Coachable Podcast. You're here for another episode, but it's not going to be like any other episode because I am joined by a new friend, Sue McDonald, who is actually from Dublin, living in Australia, and somehow from across the world, we were able to connect online. And immediately when I spoke to Sue, there was a recognition, a respect, an admiration for her and her work and the way that she shows up in the world. It's something that is really, really refreshing. And it's also like palpable in terms of her authenticity. And that's one of the things that I really want to dive into with her today. But before we do that, I just want to say, Sue, thank you for being here and for coordinating across time zones to make this happen. I'm so excited to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much, Tori. That's a, a really touching introduction. And as we say in Australia, same, same, in that I really felt that resonance with you. And I felt called to have a conversation with you that hopefully through both our paths, we can be of service. So thank you so much for having me on today. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you are a professional woman. You've been doing executive coaching for and run your own business for seven years, I think is, is, is right. You've worked in multiple different industries and worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients. Um, and you do really, really profound work in terms of helping your clients achieve transformation. And you've also been walking your own personal transformation path for quite a while. And that's what I'm really interested in, in talking to you about. Can you just give listeners and myself a little bit about, about yourself, a little bit about your background and kind of where you are in your life today, as it pertains to maybe your professional life, your personal life, just get like, help us get to know you a little bit. Sure, sure. So um, clearly I'm Irish living in Sydney for the last 21 years. Um, 
have always had a fascinating interest in people. My mum said at two weeks old, I was turning my head to look at who was coming in, in the door, which was very different to my brother and sister. So I've always had a really deep curiosity for how people show up in the world. And uh, as part of that, really, I have committed my life, I guess, to being of service and to doing my own healing work, um, of which there is plenty. (laughs) Um, That's been great. And I think, you know, I often say to clients, you can't really lead people through transformation unless you're doing the work yourself, right? So, of course, there's times where I'm out of my integrity and not always 100% on but I do my very best to kind of model what I teach or model what I share Um, and that's required me to really be available for some very big lessons um, Mm. from the universe which has been very tricky and I guess that's why cliches are cliches so when you say things like hindsight is a great thing you can look back and see why something happened Mm -hmm. when you're in the day of that fire it's sometimes quite difficult to see that so Mm -hmm. yeah I suppose what I'm learning is a path to peace really Mm -hmm. um in my own life yeah and that really what we're all we're all chasing after you know one of the things I too have really really spent um a good bit of time over the last few years thinking about it's how do we really like relieve ourselves from our suffering and from our pain and ultimately live in a state of peace where we're not always um, a victim of our circumstance or just kind of tossed around by what's happening in our lives, but we can really stay grounded and rooted in who we know ourselves to be and the truth of who we are despite circumstance. And and like you said, it can be definitely tricky. Um, You know, something that you said that really sticks out to me. And I think is one of the reasons I initially connected with you so deeply is, is your commitment to walking the talk and to practicing what you preach. Um, but really just to live living in, and embodying integrity in your work and in your life. And part of that is having the willingness to say, Hey, I need help too, or, Hey, I'm, I'm going through something too. Um, and, right before this, uh, before we started to record, we were talking about, uh, kind of, you know, what that transformational journey looks like and some of the the pitfalls that some of us fall into and maybe the, the beliefs that we can, um, create around getting to a destination or feeling like we're, we have to be fully healed before we can, you know, experience certain things or have certain things, what has your transformational journey looked like personally? Like, how did you get into this work? And outside of, you know, outside of being curious about people and wanting to understand kind of your role in the world and your place in it, how did you get into this deeper personal work? Yeah, so I think it's been, um, <clears throat> it's been a journey actually from um, in, in my own life. I've started off really around, working in human resources and working in organizational development and doing my studies in that area. And as part of that, I guess, learning how to journal and learning how to really reflect on my own behavior. So I was very young, like I was probably 25 and sitting on a leadership team and I really didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that there was something about that development piece that was very powerful for me. Um, And Long story short, really, it's been a journey of sort of head to heart to gut. And so 
you know, I started off doing coaching where it was all like, you know, the grow model and outcomes and objectives and all that kind of stuff. And then I got really bored with that really quickly. Um, and then I wanted to move more into sort of a heart space. So I was moving more into my own heart. And really, that's when I studied psychotherapy, because that's about care of the soul. Literally, that's what it means. And so you have to do your own therapy work. You have to be in group therapy. So nothing is hidden, really. Um, through relationships as well, through my intimate relationships, I learned a lot about myself. Um, and then I think, you know, uh, without sounding crazy, like the spiritual path opened up for me. And I guess I became very much in touch with um, a different way of being in the world. So, uh, and that really is grounded in theory, practice, mm -hmm. discipline and commitment. And I think there's been <clears throat> several times where I've wanted to go, God, I wish my life was different. I wish I was just one of those people that wasn't sensitive and didn't feel things. Um, but the truth is, for whatever reason in this path, I've chosen this. And so yeah. it's much better, I've found, for me to not resist stuff. Mm -hmm. Like when I resist things, that's when it goes all pear-shaped. But when I'm really with whatever it is, and, you know, we're not taught how to do that when we're growing up. We're not taught how to really be with pain, grief, suffering, loss, whatever it is, or joy, actually. I think, mm -hmm. I think you know, we as Irish people, um, you know, there's a reason why we're a nation of poets, writers, um, because there's, there's a deep collective grief that we probably don't always know how to lean into and how mm -hmm. to feel the opposite of that which is joy. Um, so, um, yeah, so I think there's probably five things I've done that have really kind of helped me. If if, if your listeners were interested in kind of some more practical stuff, would that be Absolutely. somewhere useful to go to? Please. So I think, I think when I was coaching years ago, I used to find like that for some of my clients, things didn't stick. And so mm -hmm. then that led me to a different level of curiosity. And what I realized was actually, to be blunt, for me, and I'm saying this is my opinion, I'm not saying I'm right, there's no point in doing anything unless you learn how to regulate your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we have so much coming at us, you know, we're either in fight, flight, fawn or freeze a lot of the time. And so really learning how to tools and practices to bring us back into our body, bring us back into nature, that's extremely important. There's so much sort of research out there and so many tools and practices. I think the second thing I'd say is, you know, we can I, can I just stop you real course, quick? And I want to go into this because I'd, I'd love to break this down a little bit, each of these for, for our audience so they can really ground in it. And, and so if you're listening to this, I encourage you to take out maybe a pen, a journal, a piece of paper, so you can jot these five things down um, as you navigate your own personal journey. Um, and, and also learn some practical things because regulating your nervous system is so, so, so critical. And I think to your point, Sue is a, a place, a starting point for so many people. And like you said earlier, we're not taught how to do this. I certainly wasn't, uh, I didn't, whether it's learning to co-regulate with a caregiver or a friend or someone else, or learning how to, to regulate my own nervous system, um, I, th I just want to provide a little bit of context and you can help me with this. Um, it is understanding when you are, when your body is having a stress response, when you are 
either uh, like hypervigilant and you're in some kind of fight or flight response, or you're in a shutdown um, response based on what's happening around you, your circumstances. As I mentioned earlier, you know, there's a lot of things that we cannot control that are happening outside of, of our what we would like to happen, what's ideal, what we thought would happen. And we walk out our door every morning, or maybe we even just like wake up and look at our phone. And for many of us, we're immediately shot into some kind of some kind of stress response because we're looking at our text messages who didn't text us back or did text us who, you know, who's in our email inbox. We're immediately looking at all the problems or things that we have to do that day. And I know for myself for a long, long time, I woke up and I thought that a high level of stress and a hypervigilant kind of on guard um, way of being in the world was normal, quote unquote. I thought like, oh, everyone feels like this because I didn't know what it felt like to relax and to feel safe and to really be regulated. I'd love for you to just kind of expand on that in terms of what is emotional or nerve system regulation and how can we, maybe what, what are some of those practices that we can learn to start to regulate our nervous system so that we can apply some of the other things that you're going to share with us? Yeah, great. Look, first of all, thanks so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And just to say me too. So, you know, and I think the first thing I'd say is what I try to do with my clients and with myself is is to try and make anything not wrong. So there's nothing wrong in how we have um, come to be here today, right? There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. And we and society has programmed us to think there's something wrong with us. Right. So actually, you know, if you reflected on this, and if I reflected on this, there'll be part of that sort of nervous system hypervigilance that actually served us and probably got us to where we are today, because there's a drive that goes with that, right? Um, but what I say to my clients is, you know, wouldn't you want to experience that same drive without the anxiety? Like that's right. It's not like, because people often say to me, but I'm afraid if I kind of give this up, like how will I function in the world? And, you know, they say that about everything. If I'm a perfectionist, what will that be? So to answer your question, I think the first simple thing to do is to become really self-aware around your triggers, right? And notice, okay, actually, my system feels safe with Tori right now. I feel very comfortable and I know what safety feels like in my body. Right. So first of all, there's a deep knowing of getting to know your body in a way that we've never been taught, particularly as women. Right. There's a lot of shame around bodies. And um, that's a whole podcast in itself. Um, yes. And so that's the first thing, figuring out where you're safe, then figuring out where you're not safe. And then actually thinking about what are the things I need to do to regulate my nervous system? What are my responses? So let's say, for example, if you're someone who tends to be a people pleaser and I'm a recovering people pleaser, then it's really that type of person. I don't want to categorize everybody in the same box. Generally is very good at being a caretaker and meeting everyone else's needs at their own expense. Mm -hmm. And so they're not in touch with their own needs. So often with a client like that, we would work with 
getting them in touch with their body, getting them in touch with their needs, getting really clear on what a pathway forward might be for them, where, you know, Mm -hmm. that cliche of oxygen mask on first. So that's the first thing I would recommend as a very simple way of getting clear. And there are Mm -hmm. so many things that are online that are free. Yeah. Um, that you can do for, for your body. So that's, that's one little tip. Yeah. I love that because this is the introduction to moving out of your head and into your heart. Like you were talking about, I remember when that happened for me so clearly, I remember when I first became aware of it, which is what you're saying is the first step. And I was standing in a whole foods line and I was being really curious. I was asking big questions. I knew what I was doing in my life wasn't working for me, but I didn't know what to do next or what the path to transformation and unlocking all of this was. And, um, so I followed my curiosity and I was talking to this girl in whole foods. And she said, first of all, she just told me to become aware of my body. And she said, put your arms down because I was crossing my arms. I was like my body positioning the way I was holding myself was, cross armed and I was putting out energetically and just physically showing like I was closed off and Mm -hmm. I was like tight and holding tension in my body. She's like, put your arms down. And just that act alone felt like an act of one surrender, but also it was a little bit triggering because it was like, all of a sudden I'm not protecting myself. Right. I, I, um, we, I was subconsciously just protecting myself by just standing in this kind of position. And then she, um, so I did that. And then she told me to take a deep breath and she said, breathe in through your nose, um, and breathe into your belly and through your chest and into your head and then release it slowly. And I did that. And then I thought to myself, I couldn't tell you, you know, if there has ever been a time where I consciously did that. And I was like 27 at the time. And I had mm-hmm. this moment of recognition and grief and also epiphany grief that I had never consciously really breathed. <laughs> um, like I couldn't tell you when the last time I took a deep breath was, and also this awareness of how much life have I been missing out on because this was my natural state all of the time. And so I just, I like to sh- just share stories like that because I hope it gives you guys a reference point for what that can just look like in your life practically. Um, yeah, um, sometimes it's not as clear as we think it is, or how do I know if I'm dysregulated? Right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just to share, to build on that, you know, I had chronic fatigue for five years when I was younger. And um, what I realize now, as I'm older, chronic fatigue starts by not breathing properly mm-hmm. because you're not allowing oxygen into your body. Right. And so I said to you before we recorded, you know, illness has been a path to transformation for me. And I'm sort of ready to choose an easier path now, which feels great. Mm-hmm. But actually that breathing practice has been, if, if people did nothing else but learned how to breathe properly, the world would be a different place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very difficult for some people who, as you said, like sometimes we're in a line at a shop and something happens and we're triggered into a past event, which brings me to the next point, which is about identifying your traumas, right? And yeah. you'll know about this, you know, you've got big T and little T and, you know, little trauma might be, I looked at my mom for attention and she didn't give it to me. 
I can't believe I said mom like I'm turning into an American. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and big T, you know, is, you know, the, the traumas that we're more familiar with, like uh, like war, for example. And mm-hmm. um, so actually really working with somebody, and that goes back to your point about co-regulation, yeah. I would say to people, find a really good therapist. And look, I'm saying this as a psychotherapist myself, there are, there are mixed mixed abilities sure. out there. So you have to find someone that resonates with you. And my advice around that would be um, when I'm seeking someone to work with myself, I would tend to set up a call with them and ask them questions like, look, how are you learning and growing in your own life? What's your personal development practice? Um, what do you do when you're triggered with a client? So that you can actually get an understanding of, is this person really open-hearted and are they willing to work with me in a vulnerable way? Um, And a lot of people, what I found in my practice is they will give their power away, whether that's to a therapist, a doctor or whatever. And I've been on my own um, journey about this. And they will actually not take responsibility for their own lives. So my job, I always say, is to make myself redundant as quickly as possible and that to to work with them and co-collaborate so whenever they try to put something on me which is oh my god Sue that was amazing blah 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 I was going no 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 you're the one that's amazing I just held space for you and maybe have a few technical tips so I think there's something there about the the trauma world and I actually think it's a very overused word at the moment I've got to say Mm -hmm. so um but I do think there's something around releasing things makes us more available for what you said which is that life force which comes in through the breath it's so critical and for me it was one of those things it's i didn't know or have a context for what my life could be like or what i was really missing out on because i'd never experienced it before right like i love that you you tell people and you encourage people to interview their therapist like it's almost like if you were interviewing someone for a job or for, you know, you're dating people, like you want to, are we compatible? Are you also yeah. doing the work? Right. I actually was, uh, seeing, getting my uh, hair done, uh, recently. And my hairstylist was saying that she'd recently gone to therapy and actually that she was, um, considering it, she was trying multiple therapists because, uh, she was like looking for that right fit. And some of this too, to your point is like, there's a knowing there's like a settling that happens when you're in the presence of somebody who you can feel safe with. And that is for those who might not know what it feels like to be regulated. If you were like me and you lived in a constant state of dysregulation, like I did, it was all of a sudden, um, when, when I started to get around people who had this level of awareness, it was, um, it unlocked this within me. And it was almost like, um, just like, a, yeah, it was a settling all of a sudden I didn't have to protect myself so much. I wasn't, um, so afraid or, or, or like, so in my head, I could actually access my emotions and my heart space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you encourage people to, to one kind of do the interview process with your therapist, but, um, also kind of what that might feel like when you do find the right, the right fit and exploring your traumas, because that's all of our unresolved stuff that brings up our anxiety and our stress and our, our fear 
is really just pressing on those things that we haven't haven't looked at and worked worked on. Absolutely. And I I'd like to go back to something you said a while ago, which is about that sort of asking for help and knowing, you know, and I think that, you know, I've been, I suppose, doing the work for for 25, 26 years. And, you know, I still like I'm working with two mentors at the moment. So I've got a business mentor and I've got a I'm on a mastermind, um, which I'm happy to talk about either of those if that's of interest to anyone. But I think why I raise those issues is because the path of healing, transformation, becoming whole, whatever you want to call it, in my humble experience, the, the stakes get higher. So as you reach a new level of development, you're given different tests. And so therefore, like what I look for is mentors who've been on that path. So I'm not saying they're better than me or that I'm worse than them. Not not at all. But what I'm saying is sometimes we need someone who can open that pathway for us and show us what, as you said, what's possible. So I'll give you a simple example of that. My home environment is not what I want it to be. So I've been exposed to toxic mold, Mm. different homes, and I've had huge amount of health issues with that and excuse me I'm in a a mastermind with Peter Crone at the moment oh I love Peter oh he's he's amazing I love him so much and I've I was on the verge of joining that my mastermind myself so it's so I know (laughs) (laughs) it's so good it's so good I'd love love to have you there we can join the next one and I can debrief you but he, I ended up, you know, there's 200 and something people on the mastermind. And um, I was fortunate enough to spend some one-on-one time with him. Mm. And he was really, he was saying to me, look, it's obvious you've done a lot of work on yourself. But what he, what he really helped me see was, he said, what do you want in your life around your home? And I told him, and he said, okay, so what are you tolerating? What are you still tolerating? And I got goosebumps because I was like, oh my God, like I'm tolerating living in this environment because I, I'm, I've i got fear, right? I've got fear around, you know? And I think that we talked about this on the phone recently, you know, then it raised a bigger, and that's what good mentors do. They say something and then you go away and ask yourself the questions. And he said to me, look, for you, I think what you're trying to do is figure it out with your head. And for you as a woman, it's a feeling, you know, you've mm-hmm. got to get in touch with those feelings. And so, you know, it was only on Saturday and already, what day I don't even know, already, you know, Monday. what I did was, yeah, I took myself to the beach and mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of just got really in touch with myself and went, okay, what am I tolerating? What do I really at my deepest level feel that I'm worthy of? And it's a lot more than it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, What do I want to create in my life? What does that feel like? And then what does that look like? And I think that concept, I really, really believe this now. This is another tool, if you like, is in all this BS about affirmations and just tell yourself you're beautiful. Tell yourself like, you know, whatever I was saying, you know, I've put on a lot of weight with this mold journey and it's been very difficult for me because I've never really had problems with weight except when I had chronic fatigue. 
But it's actually about like, how can I look at my body with compassion? Mm -hmm. And as one of my friends said, you've been through the bowels of Satan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, and just kind of, okay, you can't look at your body and go, oh my God, I love how I look at the moment because I don't. But I can look at my body and feel compassion. And just to close that loop with with Peter, um, where I got to was that it's actually about the frequency I'm putting out in the world. Like, mm-hmm. what am I actually radiating from me? Like when you said you were standing like this, same yeah. for me, because I've had so many bad experiences with home, I kind of go, I don't trust myself in that realm. Right. But you put me you put me in front of 200 people and I'm like, yeah, I'm on. Like I can, right. you know, it's so it's, it's like uh, 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 sort of, how do I say this? The subtleties in the development world, yes. right? So you might be really confident and competent in one area of your life and then something else will pop up. And it's, Mm -hmm. that's tricky, right? I think. Oh, you, you just said it, you hit it for me. It is the subtleties and, and that speaks to so many different aspects of what we're talking about, this transformational journey. One, starting to identify the subtleties in your in your body and your nervous system, how you're holding your body, how you're constricting, how you're tight, how you're breathing. All of those things are subtle shifts. Like when I was starting to learn how to connect with my heart and my feelings and my emotions, and my body as a woman, I was, I was prompted, like, what could I do right now? That would make me 10% more relaxed or five for just, if I did like 1% less, like, how would that feel? And just to sense that subtle shift within myself, but also, as you said, these are also subtle shifts in how we present or show up or feel about ourselves or feel about the world in one area of our lives is not always a reflection of how we feel in every area of our life. And, um, the journey I think is, is, listening to and moving it, leaning into the spaces that feel tight and constricted or more scary, or that, that evoke that fear or evoke that anxiety and lean into that at the, at the moment. And then we'll work on or be called to work on a different aspect of ourselves later. It's like, you can't, we can't tackle every thing at once, you know? <laughs> and I think that's like the illusion. I think we all, a lot of us get caught up in thinking is that like, I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to work on my trauma. And then everything is going to be different. Everything's going to be better. And it is a process. And a lot of times our progress isn't always these big noticeable shifts. Sometimes they are, but sometimes our progress is more subtle too. For me, it's around getting better at recognizing the subtle things that are really wins for me. Like, oh, actually this thing happened that would have really, really triggered me. And yeah, today I got triggered, but I I didn't linger in that that space or that emotion for as long as I typically would like that doesn't always look like progress the way we think it would but that is in this in the journey oh look I couldn't agree more and I think I'm just back from a trip to my homeland um and you know there's some complex dynamics in my family as in most families and you know absolutely love and adore my family and and the stuff for me that's been tricky because I'm very different to the rest of my family. 
And I have to say, that's exactly what I noticed, that I would still get triggered and I would still maybe not handle it as skillfully as I would like, but it was better. Like I was more able to, and what you said comes back to our conversation about the nervous system because I was able to regulate quicker and that's the progress, right? It's not like where you clean a bathroom and you see the bathroom sparkling clean, like that's the outcome, that's the goal, it's done and you can see not like that like because Mm -hmm. human beings are complex and Mm -hmm. life is complex and it's tricky but I also think life is beautiful right and I think that we are gifted what we can handle I really do and I think I look without being too dramatic I do feel like the last two and a half years I think we are in post some kind of post-trauma after COVID I think that's been incredible what it's done to people from from a Everything you can think of, fear, shame, isolation, um, polarity, you know, now we've got all this stuff in Iran. Like there's so many ways we could take this conversation, but I do feel there's a piece about the divine feminine rising actually and women being given a voice and women really stepping into their power. And that requires us to have regulated nervous systems. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. And I want to just bring it back quickly before we go to to your next point um and your next tip which is what what peter um so so poignantly like offered you which was just a question and which was what are you tolerating and i just want to offer that to to everyone listening like if they're like what area of your life are you intentionally working to change. Like we all have something we would like an outcome. We would like to create a circumstance, like some, a dream that you're, you're chasing or something you're wanting to shift, whether it's, you know, you just want to tap into a different level of your potential in that area and asking yourself, what are you tolerating? I've been having many conversations recently with very close friends of mine. We're in our thirties, early, early thirties women single, uh, and navigating relationships and love and, and uh, the complexities of all of that. Right. And, um, as women who've been doing a lot of work on themselves and, uh, have a certain level of awareness and stuff, I really believe relationships of any kind, whether they're romantic or friendships or otherwise are our kind of playground or are for, for putting into practice, the things that we've been learning and working on. Um, but also we learn in contrast, right? We know what we want because a lot of times we've experienced what we don't want. Right. (laughs) Um, so, and having the willingness to say, Hey, is what am I, what I'm tolerating actually the thing that's preventing me from experiencing the thing that I do want, because if I'm gripping this thing that I'm tolerating because it feels safe or it feels familiar, whether it's home, whether it's a person, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a job, and it feels scary to release it and to let it go. I want to encourage people to know it's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel that fear. Like actually that's very normal. And you're not, you don't need to expect yourself not to feel fear to think that's the right move for you, right? Actually releasing it creates space for the thing that you really want to come, come into your life. And I experienced that just like holding my body that way, right? Like how much am I, how much am I creating an environment where I'm actually repelling the thing that I want, which is connection, 
just because this feels safe. I love that. I love that. And I think, in fact, the first personal development book I ever read, which is very old now, was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And I hear what you're saying. Like for me, like I'm obviously at a different stage of life too. I'm in my 50s now, but relationship is still a container, right? Yeah. Where, you know, and what I feel, and I'm happy to be wrong about this. I don't have a need to be right about anything. I feel for a lot of younger women, actually, it comes back to self-worth. Like, what do you really feel you're worth? Because, you know, I I coach a lot of very senior women who are very successful and yet tolerate things in their lives that they wouldn't if it was a work context, they wouldn't if it was a friend, but they do because it's a man. And I'm going, okay, or a woman, you know, and I'm going, well, hang on, like, let's talk about that intimacy and what, and, you know, let's have a difficult conversation here in the room, just you and me, what do you really want to say to that person? Mm-hmm. What do you want to say to yourself about how you're allowing this to happen? No judgment, no criticism. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, but actually, as you say, how do we get clear on what we do want so we can release what we don't want? And, and 100% echo what you said, Tori, that any change is scary because we don't like uncertainty. Uncertainty is hard for us, right? So that's why I have such admiration for you with what you're doing with your life and traveling and, you know, like you've inspired me Mm. to go, okay, like I'm not stuck in Sydney. If I want to experience something else, I have to expand into that. Yeah. I mean, thank you for that acknowledgement. I appreciate it. I, I really, you know, I try to be like you in the way that I want to live out what I talk about. And I saw myself in a, at a point at the end of last year, I saw an opportunity for, for me personally to experience transformation through experiencing my life in a new way. And I I really believe, you know, one of the easiest ways to create transformation is to put yourself in a new environment, to get yourself out of the environment that you are traditionally in. And so, um, I've talked about it on the show many times, but intentionally doing the thing I was scared of, like leaving the familiar, stepping into the uncertainty um, and being received by it, actually things happening that were beautiful and magical and things that I could have never, you know, really predicted or planned for. It gave me all of these new reference points for actually uncertainty isn't bad. Actually, it's where, uh, like the unknown is where all of the miracles also exist. All possibility exists there. The things that I want and all of the scenarios I'm playing out in my mind that could go wrong, but they all exist in the unknown. And if I'm willing to to step into that, um, with an open heart and with a clear intention, I'm much, much more likely to experience the good. Um, and that's been my experience. Oh my God, I love that. And I think even what we say to ourselves about ourselves and the world around us, like really simple thing was, you know, I went to get a coffee this morning, haven't quite kicked that habit. Um, I love my morning coffee and I love going to the coffee shop actually and chatting to people. Anyway, as I was leaving this morning, I, I know this sounds strange, but I just had this thought, which was everybody loves me. Yes. <laughs> 
And then I went to the coffee shop and normally no one really, like the guy in the coffee shop talks to me, I talk to him. But I had like three different conversations, right? And I was going, that's really weird. And I realized when I came home, it was because literally I was radiating love. Now I know for some people that might sound crazy, but I don't care because I'm figuring out what works for me. And I'm going, okay, that feels good, right? And then if this is too personal, by the way, you can edit this out, what I'm about to say. (laughs) So just let me know. But, you know, I really, like, you know, I really, like, um, was touched by how you've spoken about your mother on a few occasions. You know, I've gone back and looked at that. And, you know, this, again, might sound a little out there, but, you know, I lost a sister quite early on in my life. And I almost feel like now that that perhaps there's a calling for us and, and you know, push back if this doesn't feel right for you, almost like the, the divine feminine's rising in you with what you're talking about. And those terms are a little strange, but actually just that you're moving into being empowered and that perhaps you have an angel, you know, and I have an angel and that we've got like someone holding space for us in a different realm, which we can also call on, right? We can also call on our ancestors yeah. that have passed. Yeah. So there's a beautiful book called Didn't Start With You by Mark Wynn. I think I spoke about that briefly. And there's, you know, that's like a fairly inexpensive resource to get your hands on and to go back and look at, okay, what are the things in my family line that perhaps I want to look at and and getting the support around that. So there's a little bit there on what I've said, but just to check in with you is Mm -hmm. Is that okay for me to raise that? Absolutely. I love that. I welcome it. And I'm so glad you went there because you're seeing something in me that I'm experiencing in myself that I don't know if everyone can see. Um, I think you're probably, you're mirroring to me something I'm experiencing myself, which is this evolution of me expanding. out of an older, it's almost like, uh, the transformation process. I sometimes think of it like the evolution of a caterpillar into a butterfly, right? Where you're, um, in a cocoon, we're in a box, we're, have a certain way of thinking, a certain way of being in the world for me, um, for the majority of my life was a, a very, uh, sort of hyper-masculine doer performer, get it done. Uh, I was very competitive. Uh, it served me beautifully. Uh, there was a lot that I was rewarded for that. And, um, after the death of my mom and my sister, both, I felt, I started to sense the contrast of, um, being swinging too far to the of the pendulum to the, too far to the masculine side and, and wanting to integrate and learn more about the feminine, my, you know, the feminine qualities that felt more unfamiliar and foreign to me and leaning into those. And that has been work I've been doing over, over the last year, um, heavily and even more over the last six months, especially on my trip. So I appreciate your recognition of that. And I'm navigating, you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out. It's, it's, I'm learning a new aspect of who I am because this caterpillar is then, you know, 
in the, ca- the caterpillar doesn't know what it's becoming. You know, it doesn't know yes. it's becoming a butterfly. It just comes out of the dark shell that it's been in. And then there's this beautiful expansion. And, and I feel like that's the process we're in over and over and over as human beings. It's like, what's the next level? You said it's like, okay, as we ascend, as we grow, as we develop, then there's new tests, then there's new lessons, then there's, it, it, it changes. And for me in this part of my life, it's been learning how to integrate playfulness, how to integrate sensuality, how to, uh, allowance, you know, instead of control, <laughs> um, yes. so, uh, yes. you know, being I'm surprised. Right. Yeah. Allowing life to, to surprise me and having a deep trust in that grounded masculine trust. Like I got you, but also this flow like presence of, of childlike presence, this playful presence, um, the one that's very deeply connected to how she feels and is uh, oftentimes using for me, you touched on this earlier, my feelings as a way to inform why I'm getting certain outcomes in my life. You were talking about it with the, the coffee shop. You're like, I, you were radiating a frequency of feeling good. Right. And I, I remember learning this and thinking, wow, I can't believe this has never dawned on me, but what would happen if I just prioritized feeling good, like feeling good in my body? Like the only priority was like, I'm going to do things that feel good, not as a way to escape my problems, but as a way to really give myself the permission that it's okay to feel that good, to feel that much joy, to feel that much love. I love that. I love that. And I think the the risk, and this is where my Virgo comes in with the, the risk, you know, the, the, sure. kind of, the risk with that, I think, and tell me, tell me, because I could be wrong in your experience is like, sometimes then what we can do is like spiritually bypass. Sure. I, hear you, I hear you saying you don't do that. That's great. But just for people listening, yeah. it's, it's about like being really clear about like emotions are data right yeah. and so even if even if I'm feeling sad actually how can I sit with that emotion because emotions are meant to pass through us and again as you said earlier we've never been taught that right right and then thinking about what do I want to create and then how do I because it's almost like this is a danger for me because I also have that very strong masculine and I've been working on that for a long time um is what I've had to call myself up on is like this kind of need to ascend, right? Because that's also for me quite masculine, like, oh, what's the next level? Where am I going? And actually there is nowhere to get to. It's actually just about this moment moment right here, right now. And my mind struggles with that, but that's okay because my mind's job is to help me survive. My Mm -hmm. mind's not going to want me to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to kind of wrap my mind up like a little baby in my arms and go I've got you and just get out of my way for five minutes while I try to explore this and then you can come back in and evaluate all you want but right now I need space and time Mm -hmm. I'll say that to my clients if I get two words tattooed on their wrist it would be space and time because when we have space and time we get clear and what you said is so beautiful about that deep trust and that trust of self, trust mm-hmm. of life, 
um, mm. which can be difficult. It's yeah. not easy. It's not like I'm sitting here with Pollyanna positive going, it's all beautiful. Sure. And the well, other I've thing learned, I think, sorry. well, I was just going to say, but I've learned, I learned that living in a state of not trusting life didn't give me the outcome that I wanted either. So it was almost like, a, okay, expecting the worst to happen, not trusting myself, not trusting life, not trusting in a higher being or force or God or whatever. Exactly. It was like, then I really, what I'm doing is I'm subscribing to a belief that I'm out here on my own and that I have to make it all. I have to like, no one's coming this whole idea. No one's coming to save you, which we ha- all have to take personal responsibility for our lives and our, our results and our outcomes a hundred percent. But that was the thing that put me on a deeper spiritual path because I had to connect with something about this belief that what would, how would I be experiencing life if I really believed that it was working out? Like, like you said earlier, that there is nothing wrong. And there's part of us that wants to create problems or like, I, I saw it in myself, like I'm creating problems to solve them because my masculine side likes to <laughs> yeah, yeah. figure things out. But like this ease of what if, even in my quote unquote negative feelings, my sadness, my grief, there was nothing wrong with it. It was actually beautiful feedback and information that I could be with. I didn't have to make it into much more than that. And I could sit with it. But when I talk about feeling good now, it's using that almost as I set the temperature of my environment because feeling good is, is what I prioritize. So it's like, okay, if this interaction with this person always leaves me feeling like I'm questioning myself or I feel insecure when I'm around them, like let that feedback, like also inform, you know, how I choose to spend my time or if I spend spend it with that person. Absolutely. I've got a really good friend who says she makes her decisions on the basis of now, like just say someone asked her to a party. She just tunes in and she goes, does this feel like energetic, light or heavy? And yeah. she makes life decisions on that basis, right? And simple and all as that may sound, it's very powerful. And like, to your point, I really agree with you. Like for me, you know, we actually are very limited in our human mind and our brain, but actually life can be limitless. And if I give, I'm not saying give my power over, but if I include God, the universe, source, whatever your belief is, in my life, you know, I have no idea what my path is, right? And that's the uncertainty. But I know that there's a higher source that's looking after me that has greater thoughts or feelings or manifestations, whatever you want to say for me, than I ever could possibly have. Mm -hmm. And so it's about actually how do I open up to that, Mm -hmm. that presence that is fully supportive? Because you know, we can feel alone in this journey. I can, certainly. I've felt deep loneliness at times in my life and, you know, had very negative thoughts and about what am I doing here? What's it all about? And actually tuning in and realizing that, as you say, this too shall pass. Okay. This is a moment that I'm meant to be experiencing. And and then what I realize is that when I go into those moments with deep love for myself, deep acceptance, deep curiosity. I always come out the other side yeah. feeling better, stronger, whatever. It's just hard to see it when you're in the flame of the fire. Sure. 
Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, there's a book that I read at least once a year and it unlocked so much for me. And every time I read it, I get more from it. It's by Marian Williamson. It's called a return to love. And, um, in that book, she says, what if you believed that there was a God, uh, basically that, or a higher power, whatever that you were part of that actually, that loves you. And, um, what the thing that got me is what if you believed that you could afford to relax and that hit on this shield, this armor that I'd been carrying around this masculine part of me that felt like I needed to dominate or I needed to perform. I needed all these ways that I was protecting myself. It's like, what if that was not necessary because I trusted that it was actually okay. Cause the surrender wasn't giving up. It was just a deeper level of trust that actually, I am, um, like everything is unfolding for me and not things are happening for me and not to me and choosing to see life through that lens has given me the ability to navigate the hardest parts of, of life. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I love Marion Williamson. I've seen her a couple of times when she's been here and I just think, I mean, talk about someone who models what she teaches, my God. And you know what I love about her as well? She's got a ferocity to her, Marion Williamson. Like she's she's like straight to the truth, right? So, you know, there's also room for that. There's also room for that. Uh, And that relaxing, realizing life is working for you, um, very, very powerful things you've just said, Tori. And how is that manifesting in your life right now with your move? Can I ask? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's given me the ability to be with what is right now, which is uncertainty and a transition and a lot of change over the last few months. And I, you know, there've been times I could sense myself wanting to control, wanting to just make hasty decisions because I need to have a direction. I need to know what's going to happen. Right. I need to know where I'm going to live or like have this level of, of yeah, control over something that I initially intended to allow to organically unfold. And I can feel it energetically when I'm trying to push my timeline on things and my agenda with things. Um, as opposed to allowing myself to be with the discomfort of, okay, this isn't happening at, at the speed I would like, or in the way I would like. And, and Peter too, Peter Crone has helped me to realize that like things might not always be ideal, you know, things, it doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't mean that they're, uh, that they're wrong, that it, it's not what I would have chosen or what, how I would have liked it to unfold, but can I be with what is, can I be That's with it? Right. I think he says, I can't, I don't want to misquote him, but he says something beautiful. Like, um, you know, things are happening with the way they are. Well, how do you know that? Well, because they, if they were going to happen any other way, they would or something like yes. that, you know? And I think that's beautiful. And I also, I want to give a shout out to Hero Boga, who has been one of my mentors and who has really helped me to get in touch with that feminine side of myself, actually, by accessing poetry, by accessing my, you know, the emigrant ache, as my friend um, James calls it, you know, when you move countries or you move homes and you're not where you grew up, you know, there's this particular type of, uh ache 
that comes with that and how do we get in touch with that right and so you know we can I'm not saying we can make the negative positive that's not what I'm saying just to be really clear to your listeners but I'm saying what you're saying which is we can sit with what is and transmute it and transform it into a beautiful gift and I think that's that's the clearest lesson I've had um, and I still forget right because that that is the process of human 100%. development we remember we forget we remember we forget we remember 100%. We're all just so, walking each other home, right? And reminding right. Each other. Well, and it goes back to what your original point was. I think very early in this conversation, you talked about resistance because when I'm not allowing myself to be with what is, or if I'm creating a story that this is wrong, or it should be any a, a different way, right? Then I am resisting what is instead of allowing it and accepting it and Accepting it doesn't mean we're okay with it, but it means we're not trying to change it. We're not trying to force it to be anything other than it is. And that has what's been, that's what's brought me the most peace um, is from my suffering. My suffering was always a byproduct of trying to, of of resisting life instead of accepting it. Yeah. And I think just one other thing I'll say there is, is, you know, I'm learning uh, much more about surrender these days. I thought I knew what surrender was. I had no idea. Um, and the other thing that I'd say that I'm learning, I was brought up in a very strict Irish Catholic household with, you know, a lot of beliefs about how things should be. And so I had a lot of rigidity in my own life about something should be this way and a lot of judgment when it wasn't Mm -hmm. so I realized for me personally that a lot of my life the suffering that I've caused myself is through expectations yes and that's very different to having standards right Um, speak to that can you yeah define what the difference is for people yeah, well, I'm not sure I'm, I'm the expert on that, but I'll, I'll give it a go, which is, you know, for me, expectations are about somebody else's belief. They're about something that have been imposed on me and they cause me suffering. So, you know, um, I called my friend yesterday. She should have called me back, you know, or, um, you know, that client didn't email me back. That's like rude. Or, you know, I need to be a certain way or, you know, I want to go to this party and I want it to be this way. So for me, it comes very much from that masculine control, that need for certainty. And it's putting my beliefs on somebody else. Right. Um, the flip side of that, I guess, is uh, standards, which is I get very clear on my boundaries. I get very clear on um what's important to me in a friendship or what's important to me in a client and then I create that yeah and for me that has been so much freedom and liberation and joy and I'm still going through that you can see probably I'm getting emotional because it's my current it's my current playground yeah um, which is about how do I keep letting go and the worst part has been for me you know I've got like a lot of Virgo in my chart mm-hmm. I've got such high expectations of myself <clears throat> excuse sorry it's okay sorry and my best friend uh said to me once you know so you don't have to do anything to be loved you know like I just want your presence you know and I remember crying when she said that to me because 
It was so healing for me. Um, and so to let go of that expectation of myself, to your point earlier, I have to do to be worthy. No, you don't. Uh, so two things that, that have really helped me just on a very practical level have been consistency and, and discipline. And so, you know, I can be a bit all or nothing, like I'm off the booze completely or I like go crazy, like partying okay. or whatever, right? And um, especially when I was younger. But I think what I'm learning about at the moment, and it's been a very difficult lesson for me, is moderation. Mm. And how can I experience things through the lens of joy? So not like I have to get up and exercise. It's like I'm lucky that I actually can create my day so that I, I can create space for myself in the morning so I can exercise. And right. um, so there's a discipline and a practice that comes when you are committed to a path of transformation, unfortunately. Um, I wish it wasn't, but there is mm. for me anyway. Um, and I notice when I'm being not rigid, but consistent, that has a really powerful impact in my life. When I'm eating well, when I'm exercising, when I'm meditating, when I'm doing the things that make me feel full and, and nourished, actually. Um, what I noticed that's shifted for me, though, that might be useful for people is the energy with which I do that with. So I used to do it from a place of expectation. I should be eating this for dinner or I should not be drinking or I should be blah, blah, blah. And uh, <clears throat> I used to go to a healer in Byron Bay here a long time ago, and he was phenomenal. And he used to say to me, you know, Sue, so, um, he had a man who used to come and see him for healing who was 90. And he used to drink a couple of shots of whiskey every day and um, do a few things that we would consider maybe, you know, tricky. And he said, but you know what? He was doing all of that from an energy of joy and love. So therefore, what what can actually upset our bodies more is if you want to eat something that traditionally maybe isn't good for you mm -hmm. to actually savor it enjoy it and not have the thoughts that certainly a lot of my female clients have which is beating themselves up afterwards for eating something they shouldn't right the rather make it the judgment yeah, yeah right rather make a conscious decision i'm gonna have this piece of cake because I re my body, you know, will really love it and enjoy it and enjoy it and then let it go. Savor life. Mm -hmm. Savor life has been a really big one for me. Um, yeah. And I'm, st I'm still learning that, you know, I really am still learning that. Um, yeah, I think, oh, I think that speaks to something that I too have been experiencing over the last six months, which is like, it's the releasing of judgment around the rigidity and the judgment and the expectations and the the beliefs that I had internalized from my society and my culture, and my upbringing around what was right and wrong and allow myself to redefine that for myself and allow myself to lean into the belief that I am worthy of enjoying life and pleasures, my body, food, feeling good in my body, working out like that. It's not a pun like life I had this perception that like, if I did things wrong, I would be punished, right? So if I ate something wrong, then I would be punished for it. If I did the wrong thing in school, I would get in trouble. And so it was always about mitigating the risk and the fear of getting in trouble, not wow. living life from a place of freedom uh, to enjoy and learn from my experiences. It was always like, how can you, it was 
what I describe in the way I teach my clients, I was living life playing defense. I was playing not to lose as a play, as opposed to what I do now, which is playing offense, which is from a different energetic state, um, completely, which is that I'm allowed to create my circumstances and enjoy my life and learn from my mistakes and having this growth mindset and this perspective that life's happening for me, not to me, as opposed to the way most people I see my clients and myself for, for years and years, which is this defensive self-protected survival instinct of play, not to lose. And it showed up in my life is how do I make, how do I minimize the risk of making mistakes, getting in trouble, being punished. And therefore at the most, the deepest level, uh, cause if, if I was punished, love would be taken away. Yeah. That I, that was kind of what I internalized. If, if, if I did something wrong, then I was, wasn't lovable, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I'm really, really feeling that as, as you say that, and how courageous a woman are you to go there and to be working with that. So I want to say thank you on behalf of all women, um, because you're not alone in carrying those beliefs and how gracious of you to share that today and to give us that gift. Mm. Yeah. It touched, you know, it touches every part of my life. And I think that that is my real work. And I will be working on that for, for, you know, for a long time is all of the places, the belief that I was unlovable, or that if I got it, I did it wrong, um, that I wouldn't be enough, or I wouldn't be, you know, loved or accepted. It's, it's, I'm slowly sort of excavating all of these parts where that belief has eroded um, my life and my ability to love life and enjoy life fully. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's so powerful. Whereas, you know, my, my belief has been more about I'm not enough, mm-hmm. you know, and and that that limits you in a different way. Right. Um, so I love your listeners hearing that here's two women who are committed to the path that have, you know, similarities and then some differences, because yeah. that's the other thing. And I'm sure you see this in your client. This is what keeps me motivated in my work. I've never seen two people that are the same. So we might we might have similar beliefs, similar ways sure. of showing up world but you are a unique human being with your own genetic um blueprint um mm-hmm. with your own karma with your own lessons with your own life and how beautiful is that how beautiful is that that we are unique human beings and yet we can come together as a collective and heal together as well yeah well and i i just know that in this that those listening that they can see and feel and sense something and whether it's not my story, maybe they relate to yours and vice versa. I think that's the power of sharing our experiences and um, our journey is being able to see part of ourselves and someone else, which gives us so much compassion, you know, and maybe a little bit more perspective and grace for our compassion for ourselves as we navigate, you know, um, these experiences and, and the healing journey and kind of give ourselves some like off the hook a little bit um especially I think when when they hear to people who who it's easy to think we have it figured out right it's easy to go into that story and think that we've you know know something that other people don't and I think that's what I want to bring to folks on the show is just the you know 
the authentic truth that we're all figuring it out and we're all walking each other home. And like you said, um, we just try to, uh, I try to learn from people who are a little bit further along than me. Um, and I think there's a lot of wisdom to be taken from, from listening to each other's stories. hundred percent. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners in terms of practical tips or, or just, uh, advice that you have people that are in the throes of self-transformation and evolving, um, in whatever aspect you want to share? No, just know that this too shall pass, get the support you need. Uh, as you say, Tori, you show yourself compassion through this commit to some things for you know you are worthy we are all worthy of love Mm -hmm. and um don't be afraid to share your story just like we've done today because it can help lots of people and thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you today you're so welcome thank you i mean I think you just gave a masterclass in authentic leadership and what that really looks like played out for people because, um, you know, that's really what we need right now. And we need to know that I would so much more, I would so much rather follow somebody who is broken and figuring it out and learning from life than someone who pretends to have it all together. And, um, so thank you for your authenticity and your willingness to stay committed to the path and lean into the discomfort and the uncertainty and um, just be a continual student of life because that's what being coachable is really all about is being willing to learn how to, to do things differently and um, be a curious student. hundred percent. And thank you for co-creating that space. Mm-hmm. For, uh, you know, I think Hopefully you feel it too. We've uh, hopefully demonstrated co-regulation through this conversation because I feel safe with you, even though we don't know each other for a long time, but there's something about you that uh, allows me to relax and Mm. and, uh, hopefully you've had the same experience. It's been a delight. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can people stay connected with you? I know they're going to want to and um, learn more about what you're doing and just your journey. If they want to continue to follow along, where are you online or anywhere else that they can, can get to know more about you or stay connected? Sure. So look, I'm not great with social media, to be honest. Social media is mainly personal, but I am quite active on LinkedIn. So it's it's Sue McDonald, M-C-D-O-W-N-E-W-L. And I've got a website, suemcdonald.com.au, so people can get in touch with me there. Um, And yeah, I'm looking forward to starting a podcast myself soon. So I'd love to have you on. Of course. Happy to do that. And you guys will put all of Sue's information in the show notes make it super easy for you to navigate and stay connected with her and um, I hope you will stay connected with us here at the coachable podcast we have an Instagram account that we would love to ask you to follow maybe tag us if you enjoy listening to the show um, and share it with a friend the best way though that you can help this show grow and make sure it gets out to more listeners is by sharing it but also writing a review um, and leaving a rating now on spotify you're able to leave ratings and reviews so wherever you listen to your podcast if you would do me a favor take 
two minutes out of your day, go leave a rating and a review. And um, that is just the best, best way in this podcasting world. It really helps us to uh, be considered in the algorithms and, and be shown to other people who might enjoy this content. And truly, I, uh, I tell you this, like I started on this path because someone shared a podcast with me, very similar to this one. And I was able to hear a conversation that um, I really needed to hear at the time and gave me uh, sparked curiosity in me and gave me hope that there was um, a different way to move forward in my life. And you could be that for somebody if, if you share uh, this show with them. So thank you for being here. I love you. We'll see you next week on the Critical Podcast. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.